some pez right now oh, fucking God damn it. i just found i just found this in my drawer how long has it been in your drawer for at least a month i was really hoping you'd be like i don't know i don't remember the last time i had pez i think i was a child there's they're definitely not more than three months old i think i'm proud of you at least i would assume so because they got uh, a 2019 date printed on them. <laughs> he doesn't say much. I don't remember when I got them. See, you say and that. A I only have date on Pez could still literally be years old. They're like, they don't expire 2019. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I didn't really think about it being a uh, an expiration date. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that didn't cross my mind. <laughs> yeah. See, for the record, growing up, uh, we had like. A candy giant drawer on the top shelf in the pantry, and and half of it was literally just Pez dispensers. Ooh, I feel like you just amass just these you know huge collections them. of Pez dispensers. Where do you get Pez dispensers from? I don't know, but we had I think dude, hundreds. <laughs> it irritates me because it's like, dude, I have. I mean, this one is a is a Yoshi themed Pez dispenser, which is kind of cool because I like Yoshi. He's probably my favorite Does character in, in the Mario mouth? universe. Does Pez come out of his butt or his mouth? Um, te technically, it's like his chin. <laughs> I can't even it's it, right? just below his mouth, so it's like somebody like slit his throat, and it's just like lifting it up as his like secondary mouth. See, I, I would make it, which you can't, because the whole point of Pez dispensers are they're their special way. But to me, what you do is you make it Yoshi's in mouth is the entire dispenser, so you pop it up and if his tongue is what the Pez are on, would make sense. And that would be really cool. That would make me appreciate this Pez dispenser <laughs> even more. But not the way it is. Yeah, it's just dumb. But well, well I, the Pez is delicious and I'm happy that I found it. Proud of you. So yeah, this is not really a Pez show, don't worry. You're here because we're about to talk about more about Borderland. Today's show is all about Borderlands 2. Remember, this is a series we're doing every couple weeks leading up to and continuing with the release of Borderlands 3. So naturally, the second game in the series is called Borderlands 2. Borderlands 2 was released in 2012, again by Gearbox Softwares and again published by 2K. Uh, as we talked about last time, the series has sold over 43 million units, 20 million of those alone Plus, last I saw was a rumor closer to 25 have been Borderlands 2. Many, and I feel like we'll get to there in a second, say Borderlands 2, the best game in the series, which I yeah. think is true. I just, we'll yeah. get into in a minute too. The DLC is not the best in the series at moments. Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose we'll, we'll dig that deeper into that. So I figured... I don't, because, I don't know. There's some DLC yeah. that I think is pretty great in that game, and then there's other things where I'm like... <laughs> Alright, what's up? What's this? So I think the best way to start this is is talk about the characters like we did with Borderlands 1. So Borderlands 2 is interesting because like before we have four main playable characters and then they released two DLC characters. I figured we'll save yes. those two for a second. We'll start with our main guys. Uh, we have Dan's yes. favorite character, first off, is Axton. Dan, what do you think of Axton? Yes. Dude, he's, he's a better Roland. I mean, he is... He's he's Roland character the Roland character. He's the soldier in Borderlands 2. Uh, he's got the turret, which is I I think are like not even arguably, like it's a fact. That is probably the best and most helpful special ability in that game. Oh it is. Um, that, that's what upsets me. Is I don't think you understood until you played Zero like a couple places in, you went, Oh, this is so much harder. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean with any character I mean, there's times where I'd be just breezing through places, and then I'll go back and play it as somebody else, and I'm like, I don't remember this game being this hard. <laughs> but, no, it's a, he's a kick-ass character. Um, like I said, he's he's a better Roland, and the turret that he has is 
Is the tarot Absolutely better than filthy. Rolling Stone? Because Rolling's turret was pretty busted at points. I mean, you could make Roland's turret pretty OP. I mean, to the point where you could basically have unlimited ammo and um, and every time it's out, pretty much get full health. Um, but I would wager that Axton's is even better because, one, you got two of them. That's true. Um, and you could stick them on walls and ceilings, which is, like, something that I always wished I could do with Roland. So it's stick on walls, you could have two, and wasn't one of them, like, also, I think it's with the stick on walls, it's also a long shot grenade, basically? Um, uh, yeah, basically, yeah, it was like, it would just explode, basically, when you would throw it out. And also you could Like, it would be, like, cause, like, an explosion. You could literally be like, I'm not in that room right now, boop! Yeah, and then it would also do slag damage, which actually I have a question before I get into this, just because okay. I don't, I don't think it was in the show notes, um, and I don't remember if we talked about this last week. But are we talking about Commander Lilith this week or? I was doing it this. It's week. on its own. I think it was, it's in this week's on the show notes on the DLC, which the reason you didn't see is because it's fifty pieces DLC. But I putting it in because it's part of two. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah, I see it right there. Okay, and I'm going to continue with what I was saying. Um, and it also, there's an ability that lets us shoot slag bullets, which I think doing the um, raid boss in Commander Lilith would be so hard without the turret. Can confirm. Yes, I'm... God, I spent... Well, we'll get into the raid boss talk, but Axton's a great character. I love him. I agree. So Axton's interesting because that's just not the type I play. But yeah, no, Axton I think is the game on easy. Yes, which hundred percent. Which is funny because there was I don't know if they personally make a hard because kind of like my Pokemon argument that, and then we talked about that too. Like Pokemon has the three main types, and the, and Lily what they were supposed to be is if you play this just the type it was supposed to be easy, medium, and hard. I think Borderlands almost did a similar balancing act in that way, but it's more like easy, medium, medium, hard. Until then, you get to the DLC characters, and then it's, like, very hard, and very I would say another medium. <laughs> um, so the next character I've listed here is Zero, which is who I played a literal ton. Um, I really like Zero, because, especially as you played against me, Zero, you were like, what the hell are you doing? Because it'd be like, Zero, teleport into clone, and then you either have, really have the options of shoot shurikens, which deal all the all damage types, or the freaking stab them. And then if you kill someone with the stab, you then got more seconds on the kill, so you can start chaining it. I think Zero breaks up the same point that Mordecai broke, which is, in a boss fight, your ability is basically useless. Mm-hmm. Then which next... is very difficult to do, especially when you rely on a turret for, you know, the vast majority of your playthroughs in that game. But Zero's at least nice because it goes into that hidden thing is you at least gain health and stuff back in there, which is what makes, I think, Zero a stronger character than Mordecai was, because to me, they're very, they're very built on the same mindset. But because right. of that simple thing, it kind of went, what's the good part of Lilith's ability? Okay, let's give someone else that, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Next, we have our Siren of the game, Maya. So I, Maya is the playthrough I'm currently playing through right now, because it's working on that Platinum is that's the one I had the freaking annoying challenge done with for Jimmy Jenkins. Right. So, huh. uh, Love using... Jimmy Jenkins. I'm gonna. We need to put that in the show notes, <laughs> uh, just because I would like to have a rant about Jimmy Jenkins. But so. It's keep under on moving. our favorite moments. Don't worry. Ah, uh, you're way ahead of me. Perfect. Good work. So um, so yeah, but Maya's ability is interesting because it's the, hoard, it's the basically the holder up top. Maya, I think what I quite like is Maya has a couple abilities you go down. One of them is just deal all the element types, which I don't know if it's that strong by itself. I think this one you need to pair with something. One of the trees basically has become the healer of the group, which I think is interesting of you would use your ability literally just to revive people. Mm-hmm. And the other one, which is the best when you combine it with the cross- with the deal all the element types one is, is control a goddamn enemy. Yeah. Which No, I think that Maya, um, in a... Well, okay, so we, we agreed last time that Lilith was a useless character, yeah. pretty, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Maya, I would definitely say, isn't a, a useless character, 
but I definitely think she was built for playing with multiple people. I agree. The only thing is, so like right now I'm level like 54, I think, with Maya. So Maya to me, when you get like that really high up like that, is interesting because really I go control an enemy character, also ideal, a ton of elemental types to them, and it does damage continually, and then it jumps to a new guy when he dies. So it's this kind of chain thing of. If I get a bunch of enemies with low health, like I killed a like got them really low, and activate Maya's ability, it would just wipe the board real quick, quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean that's something that I've also never really done. Um, Maya. Maya is crowd control. Um, she's the, the only. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, she's the only character that I've never actually did like an intense playthrough with her. I did a little bit, and then I did the the trophy to get the trophy with her. And then I pretty much stopped just because it didn't really, it wasn't super big in my style. And I think you need to get far with so that. So I never really get to appreciate her as that much. early Maya. She, like, early Maya, which I think is probably with most Borderlands characters, is, is especially early on, you're like, does she have any good powers? Yeah, right. It's, it's very much, um, I don't know, it just feels kind of like, I think I could be having more fun somewhere else, you know? Speaking of places I wish was more fun, Salvador. So I'm going to say it right now. Salvador on paper should be the most fun to play. I think he's the most frustrating to play. I would happen to agree with you. <laughs> so Sal I'm, I'm doing a Salvador playthrough right now in Borderlands 2, and he is really, really cool, and I really like his gunzerking ability, but man, it is... It is really difficult to consistently find Anything. a good weapon combination. The issue is when you like don't realize that you pulled up like a sniper in an RPG and you just go, "Fuck." Yeah, cause, and I mean it's like okay, great. In um in this last playthrough, cause he's the one I did the Commander Lula DLC with when it came out. I had this super sick, um, effervescent SMG that did flame damage. And. Then, I think it was, like, the conference call that did slag. Mm -hmm. So, that was that was disgusting. I mean, I ripped people apart with that combination. But, like, as I leveled up and the game got harder, it was like, well, these two guns are useless now. And it's really difficult to find two, I mean, basically legendary guns that can have that output. Whereas all the other people with their special abilities, they don't rely as heavily on the guns in the game, which I think kind of brings them back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Also, I just think, like, as much as two guns sounds fun on paper, it's really hard to, like, aim. Which yeah, is... yeah, that too. Yeah, especially if you're going up against, like, you know, just uh, either a group of individual enemies or, like, some smaller enemies. It works great in, like, like, it works great, like, are you facing, like, a bunch of bully mobs? Yeah, he's great. Because they're giant bullet sponges that, like, you could kind of get a chain of them going. It doesn't work when I have mm -hmm. a, a bandit, like, you know, those couple of those areas where it goes, like, a bandit or two, bandit or two, bandit or two, or Varkid, Varkid, Varkid. You're like, he doesn't work then. Yeah, it does. If this, I think what you, what you said is, is, is correct. It's, if you're facing, you know, like, two or three smaller enemies... You, you almost don't want to use a special ability because it just makes the whole encounter feel a little bit more, like, inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now... However, hold on. If I have one more thing before we before we move on. Okay. I will say that the uh, dialogue that Salvador has <laughs> when he, like, goes gunzerking and stuff is some of the most enjoyable ever. He does have And good. I really like it. I really like it when you get the voice module and you have to become Handsome Jack because he literally just runs around like saying like, hey, look at me, I'm a dickhead. And I think it's hilarious. <laughs> That's true. Okay. So now we have two more characters, which is what makes Borderlands 2 very interesting. We have Gage and I think it's Krieg. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Krieg. So, so Gage is the one I look at and go, Gage is the game on easy mode. Because that goddamn guy you get with her Stupid power. Oh, the death trap? Yeah. Yeah. He's, um... I, I would rate that very similar to Roland. It's, I mean, I feel like it's very similar to a turret. Obviously, it's different. It has its the, own things. But the same I kind of principle. The reason I think it's better is it can give yeah. you second wind. Yeah, which is dope. 
it reminds me of like a if you ever played his claptrap in the pre sequel, mm-hmm. it reminds me of one of his abilities, but like five hundred times better. Yeah, yeah, shooting when you're down, like whatever. But this is having another thing which can go chase enemies while you're down is fundamentally insane. Yeah, dude, yeah, it's 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 very cool. Um, she was another character that I didn't spend a whole ton of time with. Um, did a I did like half a playthrough and some DLC. Um, but but I, I thought yeah. Like I said, it was kind of like Roland, but with its own kind of flair to it. And now, the character that makes Salvador look good. Yeah, seriously. Hello, everyone. We Krieg, our lovely psycho. And, oh man. Krieg bums me out. I tried so hard to have like a really solid playthrough with him. But it's he's so difficult to fight major <laughs> enemies with. You can't. You just can't. Like, he has cool I mean, abilities. Like, every time I slaughter someone, I get all my health back. Like, he has good stuff. It's just, he's so hard to control. It's, yeah, I mean, it is really... Like, using him is just plain difficult. Mm-hmm. And there's really cool things about using him, and I think you definitely get the perks from his um, ability being harder. But it's still way harder. <laughs> Okay, so those are our six playable characters. As always, we'll come back to the end of the show. Now is a new kind of thing I kind of chucked here, because I think we could talk about these for a bit. Is favorite moments of Borderlands 2. Or, not favorite, maybe memorable is a better term, because I feel like some of these are not our favorite in a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna, I combined two into one, just because I played them back-to-back, was you have combination of Death of Bloodwing and Death of Roland, like, within, like, an hour of each other in the game. Mm-hmm. Which... Death of Bloodwing is one thing, and I think about connecting to it, but de- that Death of Roland scene in this game. Yeah, I mean, I remember um, when the game had, like, just come out, and you and I were talking about it, and I remember you, because you, you know, always played as Mordecai in the first one, and you were like, oh, man, when Bloodwing died, I was so bummed out, and I was like, you just lost your bird, dude, I lost my character. <laughs> but, yeah, absolute bummer of, uh, of, of a moment, but... Because that's, if I remember correctly, I mean, right as you figure out that Angel is actually, like, a siren. Like, you knew Angel was bad turned good already, but you didn't know if she was a goddamn siren. Hmm. Right. And then, it's like, once you find that out, and then Lilith shows up in the battle, and you're like, oh, boy, I know where this one's gonna go. You but know, you like... didn't, though. Because <laughs> Jack appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, and so it's like, well, okay, I can see something bad happening to Lilith, because Angel warned her. But, but it's it. like, you don't see the Roland one coming. Because they, they, they set it up to the point of like, yeah, like they're not going to kill the characters. Like, that's insane. Yeah. I think that, like, at that moment, that was when the Borderlands series, to me, went from being, a you know, just kind of like this, this, like, fun, kind of unique shoot and loot game to being, like, hey, we're serious. Do you, you mean, know, we can't be serious. Do you mean, we're going to talk about DLC, which is literally about denial in a second? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it goes further into that, but uh, yeah, like I said, that that moment is like this game is saying, hey, we're 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 adults, okay? We can talk about, you know, we can have drama, we can talk about these things, and we can kill off characters that everybody loves. God, okay. The next thing I want to talk about, which I think is interesting, especially cause with us recently looking at Borderlands One, is the ways they made Borderlands Two actually connect to one really impress me because. There are some hooks there that I remember, like the Hyperion cell at the end, so obviously that's there. But, like, stuff like making Angel matter or making other things matter where, I guarantee you, they did not plan for those things to matter in the beginning, really impresses me about the story in this game. Oh, 100%. Um, when I looked at the show notes and I saw this, the first thing I thought of was, um, I don't know, he's like the second or third person you meet in Borderlands 1 that'll give you missions. Uh, Shep Sanders? Yeah. He's the dude that sold out old haven and who bricked brick like brutally murdered (laughs) and it's just like huh in borderlands one he's this like meaningless character who you get occasionally uh jobs from and now in this one he's the whole reason that like sanctuary is what it is and how the and the state of the crimson raiders are what they are or that's a good one or i always point to like when you do which i really like the clan ward missions and you realize that it's lucky's annual reception funeral (laughs) Oh, and you know that Scooter killed Lucky? 
Yeah, because you helped Scooter Culkin choose Sawyer in the first one. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, and there's, I mean, that's, those are just two examples. I'm sure that, you know, uh, replaying it again and, and going over it with a comb, we could find so many different references to little minor things in the first game that it's like, oh, hey, that seemed like nothing, but now it has an effect on the game today. Or, or there's, or even stuff like Hamaku's like a main character or Tannis is there and you're like, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. All these characters who again were just, I mean. What I re- you didn't put even Earl realize. You goddamn city. Like, Earl, you mean in the beginning. Oh. You didn't meet Earl until 20 hours into Borderlands 1. <laughs> yeah, dude, and, and Earl is now, you know, everywhere, and he's like, freaking crazy Earl, man. You know, he's, he's just doing crazy Earl things. He's just there. I mean, the other thing, too, that I thought was, I mean, kind of interesting is, um, and I didn't realize it at first, Moxie, like, was not in Borderlands 1 until the Underdome DLC. Right. But we think just, of and it's like so like, here she's just she's nothing basically and now she's this huge character and it's like oh okay cool but you we know think of her like now if we go to ahead you for sure think of her as like one of the main characters but like in Borderlands one she was not yeah she was literally in one DLC that provided I mean to the game no story just mm-hmm. you know loot and shoot him up so the next thing I think we need to talk about Dan. So this game actually did them correctly, I think, as a whole. Maybe exceptions where they didn't. I think they figured out how to do the actual arenas correctly in this game. I would agree. 100%. Because they were simple. They went, okay, here's five rounds, or here's six rounds. That maybe take you 20 minutes. That's it. We divide them into submission. They're not going to take you 50 hours. (laughs) Yeah, you don't need to sit in the, you know, whatever it is, the natural selection annex for four hours non-stop and play through this it's okay you can literally knock all five rounds of this quest out in like an hour which which is most. fine because they also subgroup them to when they get harder like there's a lot of ways to do it. i go this makes sense see yeah. you can do the first three rounds and then be like okay i'm gonna come back to these when i'm a little bit stronger mm-hmm. and there's no no issues you know it's still there you don't need to restart at all also i think they don't scale to level which i think the ones in borderlands one did also which sucked Mm-hmm. Yep, and that is true too. <laughs> and it, it, oh, they're in the game. Let's actually make them make sense. <laughs> yeah, it just and and it felt it felt nicer too. You know, it wasn't just like a like you know. I think of in Borderlands One, there's a handful of arenas where you fight bandits and skags or whatever. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. It, you know, there wasn't really much of a reward for doing it. And in this one, now it's like, oh, cool, I'm getting like a sal- like a really decent amount of XP. Oh, and it's not making me want to kill myself because it's doable. Mm. Okay. So, then, Dan, you want to talk about this next one? It was both of our favorite challenge, I know. All right. This is... Mm. For somebody... This game. Go ahead. I was going to say, there's a lot of memes in this game, and I think this is one that did not need to be in this game. Oh, 100%. If you're not a platinum hunter, this is totally meaningless to you. But if you are, and there's, you know, the trophy that is complete level one of all non-area specific challenges, and you see that there's one called Jimmy Jenkins where you need to kill Jimmy Jenkins, then you realize that his spawn rate is so minuscule that you got to farm him for like 200 hours unless you do it the right way the first time. And it's like, oh man, dude, that pissed me off so much. The only thing that I think makes it redeemable is the the one cheat at least increases it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, there's the one area where you can just keep going back and forth in, and you can spawn like four of them, and it's like, and um, yeah, no, I never got a platinum on the PS3 version because of that challenge, and I remember the first time I played the game on the PlayStation 4. Uh, excuse you my dog bark. In like an hour, I think. Oh, I got it. I got it on my first try. And you just text me saying, I think just son of a fucking bitch with a picture. I think that's the entire time. It probably was. But dude, I lost my mind. I was like, this is the greatest day of my whole (laughs) life. I didn't even have to try. God. Uh, The other thing I want to talk about then is um, the guns in this game actually make visual sense now. And 
they're distinct. I miss Goddamn Atlas. Bandicoon sucks. But I think it's fun, though, because we did stuff here now. Like, TDR weapons are what we think of them. Like, we chuck, you could actually just throw them out. They're so cheap. Or Torque doesn't believe in bullets. He believes in explosions. Yeah. Yeah. I though I think in this game, um, there's, I mean, there's a couple of things that I miss. But definitely, to a greater extent, um, all the gun manufacturers have their own identity. Which is interesting to so many of them. And you're like, no, they actually, like, I can look at a gun and go, oh, that makes sense. Like, I, I know, for example, I will never pick up a bandit gun. And now, see, I, on the other hand, will nine times out of ten pick up a bandit pistol and a bandit SMG. My issue with bandit is, is they're, like range and like of where you could you might hit is so wide and they tend to do it, they tend to do it, wonky stuff because they're cheap <laughs> i always maybe maybe i just liked it because you know i i liked axton and he was he was a lot about same with uh, salvador they're both about firepower and so just putting bolts down range is all you needed to do mm-hmm. that's true why, why to be a little more selective on where i hit Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, I would wager that Hyperion guns were, like, the most advanced and, like, best guns to get. Hyperion, what they did was, the longer you pulled on the trigger, the, the accurate, more accurate they became, which didn't matter on stuff like rocket launchers, or, like, it inherently made you not want to have small clip guns. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, I know I still think of, I mean, I think this is, this is debatable um, between a couple of things. But one of the best guns in the game is the conference call, and that was like there. I just knew it. I, my that shotgun, dude, I loved it so much. Speaking of guns, then and now that we're still on my favorite moments, um, the AI gun or shield you get in this game, beautiful. What was that? You went in and out there. Do you remember the AI? So you did the mission when you go back to the blood, the stronghold. At the oh. end. And yeah, and they they would talk to you. <laughs> yeah, if you have a shield or a gun, he would straight talk to you. That reminds me also of the Bane. Oh yeah. Which was it was that SMG that when you had it equipped, you you were slowed down like a thousand percent, <laughs> and it would just scream every time you fired. <laughs> and it sucked because it's like this gun is super cool. Like it's high damage. It's got like pretty decent fire rate it's got a good elemental chance but you can't move you could move just not that well very slowly that was the gun that i would use um back when i was living in the dorm and i just wanted to piss off my roommates <laughs> you would be like 50 levels above me but like i'm turning this thing on <laughs> you're like all right he's studying he's taking a nap yep we're gonna pull out the pain you're like put in your subwoofer on the tv and go and just unload with like a magazine with 60 bullets and with each shot it just screams god again made no sense as a gun but it was but i think that's kind of what made this game interesting too was like they didn't they very leaned into like how absurd could we put it at points oh yeah 100 percent. i mean there's plenty of guns where it's like why would i ever use this you know but but it's there and it's like hey Maybe you can find a pretty sick build and you can use this on an op and something and it'll be great. Who what knows? Was you know? the, and we'll get to it when we get to Torque, but wasn't there an RPG that you we literally had to grind for hours on? Oh yeah, I remember. I don't remember what it was called. But yeah, it basically shot like a nuclear bomb and it would kill <laughs> I think it would kill the vast majority of enemies in one hit, but if you were too close to it, it would kill you as well. <laughs> That was really yeah, cool. I think I got it out. I, I think I got torque. it out of the torque vending machines. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was torque actually. Before we get a DLC, do you have any other like uh, moments or memories that stick with you of this game? Um, I'm trying to think of there was, there's so many little, like little things that were super memorable, like um the Lord of the Rings quest. I don't know if you ever did that. No, but I was like the turtles quest. Um, what was the turtles one? That would be, uh, Mata gave you a pizza, and you'd go back to the place where Volo was captured, you go under there, you jump into the sewers. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that one was, that one was pretty entertaining. Dan, um, 
wrath. <laughs> and then you, and if you go out there, then you have to hit the special thing and 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 the splinter pops up. Oh, yep, and you gotta fight all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think my favorite one was the Lord of the Rings thing, where is you had to go to Claptrap's place, and there was like a ring that you found in in the fire, and you would have to go without using fast travel, to Iridium Blight. And throw it in a volcano, and then you got like some special head See, I like for doing that. it. Or like it was Laney and the Seven Dwarves. <laughs> oh yeah, that one too. Or did you ever run into um? That was when she shot herself. Oh. The ending of that quest is you do the seven things: give Scooter the love of his life after you kill the Seven Dwarves. And she goes, Scooter. She goes inside. She goes one second, and you didn't see a gun being popped. Yeah, then Scooter's like, so she what did she it? say? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great one. Or um, Donkey Mong too. That's a good one. But that one's that's very interesting. Hidden. Or obviously there's the Minecraft area. Which is also like super sick, and you get to fight the creepers and stuff. Oh, no, the one that although really really sticks with me is when near the beginning, towards the beginning, we get sanctuary and Claptrap's like, we need to go on this quest to get his top secret thing to get the his access to stuff. Oh yeah, the stash. <laughs> it's literally this giant list and just falls open yeah oh man i remember when i was getting that that quest like the very first time and i'm looking at all this stuff and i was like dude this is this is either gonna go one of two ways this is going to be the longest quest in the game and it's supposed to be or something's gonna go wrong and i'm not gonna have Damn. to do any of it and we'll, sure enough i turn around and take two steps the we'll get to the longest quest in the game oh god yeah we'll, yeah, we'll <laughs> talk about that later <laughs> Okay, so I think it's time to transition to DLC, which you think wouldn't be the long part of the show. It's about <laughs> so some general. Dude, DLC. there has to be as much DLC as there is main game. I mean, it's it's a whole nother game, I would imagine. Oh, it is. Okay, so some general things that I find interesting. Obviously, we said this is the first time we had playable characters as DLC. Um, there was level up packs as DLC, which I don't know if you remember. So if you got the pass, you got them for free, but that was some of the level up stuff were just tied to it. Uh, mm -hmm. the animal DLC, which we talked about already, the Annex Arena, was DLC. And my other note before we get into the actual DLCs is, why the hell did every DLC have a raid box and missions that didn't end? Those two things pissed me off to hell and back. Yep, I would agree. Um, part of me understands the raid bosses, just because it's like, everybody seems to, everybody loved the raid bosses. That's the cool thing to do now at the end of everything is, oh, there's a raid boss. Okay, that's but yeah, the mis missions that never ended irritated me. I go, I understand there's a way to grind stuff, but I didn't need missions that, like, would stay on my map or I couldn't get rid of. I was like, I'm like, the whole part of the enjoyment of it was that you could, like, clear your checklist, which you can't do mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah, exactly. I'm a completionist. I can't, literally, I cannot complete my quest log. And, and that's such a frustrating feeling to have to deal with. Like, if they put it in a separate section, it was almost what I would most rather be like, here's the things that repeat. I'd be like, okay, good. Yeah, but no, it was just like, no, this is this is going to be here. So, have fun. So now it's time for the big pieces of DLC. I think I'm going to start with the big ones in a warp to Headhunters. So, this is what yeah, I think. Yeah. I think the DLC we're about to listen to is three of the five pieces of DLC are good to great. Two of them are not. We're about to start with the ones that are not. Captain Scarlet and her pirate's booty. Yes. I think it's interesting since this is the first piece of DLC we got for the game, so it's an interesting, like, completely different tone. And you got, like, the new ship, obviously. But uh, this DLC just doesn't stick with me. Oh. I hold a different opinion. Okay, then what what what, do, what sticks with you about this DLC? Because to me, I go, it's all in the desert, and like we get like a better desert campaign in the next one. So yeah, I think I don't know. I, maybe I just I like pirates, and so maybe that's why it stuck with me. Um, but yeah, I honestly I would I would definitely rate this one as as the the third best of the main DLCs. Okay. Um, it's definitely not, you know, the best one. It's not the second best one, but it, it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, my only qualm with it is that I wish that there, it, it was a little bit bigger because it felt kind of lacking in some points. Like it just needed a little bit more. Um, 
yeah, but I, I always, I thought it was fun. I thought it introduced some pretty cool characters, and uh, I, I didn't really have too much of a problem with it. I think I found stuff like the worms annoying to fight, for example. Oh yeah, and that's true. Um, honestly, most of the time when I would encounter them, I would just, I would just leave them alone and run away. Okay. Uh, this one also is the first time we get, which will be a theme in most of the DLCs, is like a weird currency that we're like, how do we use this thing? Oh my god, and oh, we should, I, should, I totally forgot about those, to be honest, but those should go in the show notes. We should talk about so Seraph Crystals. So, so the Seraph Crystals, you'll have Torth Bucks, you'll have whatever the hell Sir Hamelock had. Like, what was that? Why did we need this mystical new currency and all this stuff? It was just like, I think what it was mainly for was to... <clears throat> so outside of obviously farming for legendaries, I think it offered a new... Th- a new thing to farm raid bosses for because that was the only way you could get them right and there was no, the there unique quests. gear that you could get from the store those are the way people quest all had it too yeah and it was just like i i mean i understood it and i've i, I actually never got a piece of seraph equipment because you'd only get like i don't know at most eight to ten crystals per boss and it's like do you know how many times you gotta fight those things to get enough for one gun mm-hmm so, I mean, that really just, I liked the concept. I like having kind of a little bit more of a reward for doing raid bosses, like farming them. But it felt to me like it really wasn't scaled to a acceptable amount. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's valid. Next piece of DLC that came out, uh, which I think is one of the high points of this series, Mr. Twerk's Campaign of Carnage. We need to talk about explosions. That's, I mean, that's... I, I, I'll i be honest, and I'm I'm really, really torn. I want to give this one the best DLC See, title in this. I don't, and, and there's this, we all know which one's the best DLC I'm going to give it to. Yeah, but, and I mean, that one deserves it. But it, it just because that one is so, I think, beyond um, anything that they've created before. I mean, it's just, it's so fantastic. But this DLC is so fun and so well written, and it, when you it's just Mr. so Tork, good. You're like, what the hell is this guy? Yeah, he's arguably one of my favorite characters in the in the entire universe. Just Macho Man and Hulk Hogan had a kid. Oh my God, I know he's. I mean, he's perfect. It's like <laughs> you you watch WWE growing up. You're like, yeah, dude, this guy's great. <laughs> Explosions. I got one question for you. Explosions? When you go there, he's like, you literally just go into an arena to fight. And then he's like, okay, something else happened. Or like when he would go off air, and it would still be like, screaming at full capacity with cameras following you. He's like, shoot the cameras. We can't talk here. I mean, it really, like, he's just so absolutely nuts. And... He's got. He's he's just a, like a fantastic character. He's so ridiculous, and I think and he's he's just so well put Which is over why the top. They give it to us. It was in, in oh, in three more DLCs, but like his main characters in two more DLCs, just because how perfect he could be. Yeah, I mean, I really hope that he makes an appearance in Borderlands Three. Um, he's just he's so funny. His character is so well made and so well written and, and it's just he's just absolutely enjoyable also, this one, to I, me i think if i remember right too i think we found out he was like married to moxie at one point <laughs> which is another um thing. i don't remember, I remember but Jack, you could be right because Jack moxie's been married to like everybody mordecai had a thing with moxie and i thought torque did also up uh, jack marcus mordecai mordecai <laughs> I'm um some other there's some other dude in Pyro Pete's deal in like the Pyro Pete area too, but I don't remember his name. Oh god, don't remind me of Pyro Pete. Yeah, that, oh, yeah, yeah another this one. Did, this one had like multiple raid bosses in it. Um, yeah, it had Pete the Invincible and Hyperius the Invincible. <laughs> and I think that was it. But yeah. The Torque but this is the one I remember where the only way to finish the goddamn race was we kept cheating it and one of us would wait by the exit. Yeah, dude, it's really, really difficult, and I remember doing that, and we got a lot of money from doing that, so that was pretty cool. But it's still like, oh, like, who would 
testing was like, we know the timing of his rage attack. Okay. I'm eating Vigia chocolate, I got hungry. That's fine. So the next one, this is the one I think is the weak DLC. I almost... Uh, Sir Hamlock's big game hub. So I like Sir Hamlock mm. as a character, and I think they're most of this DLC is fun. But like, again, it's... I don't know if this DLC sticks with me, and also, like, again, Sir Hamlock's the only character I think that in this that matters, that really matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, I think they had... They had a cool idea, and I like that it was kind of built around this whole, like, oh, we're, you know, we're going on a on a big game hunt, and, you're, you know, the main premise of it is that, oh, you're going out and you're going to fight these weird creatures, and it almost has this very kind of colonial-esque feel to it. Um, but, yeah, no, I agree. It just wasn't strong. Mm-hmm. It was... It was lacking the the characters and the story and and the missions that I think the other DLC were that really made it memorable. I didn't really feel like this one had a reason for me to play it. Mm. Okay. And now this DLC is the one I think is the creme de la creme. This DLC is about the size I think of Borderlands 1. This is Tiny Tina's also on Dragon Keep. Which, I don't even know where to start with this moment of this DLC. This is the one that I think we can agree on, is one of the best things that they've ever created. The thing is, okay, so it takes place after Borderlands 2, which is very important. Because this entire thing is about Tina coping with the death of Lola. And this, I think, you know, goes back to that whole moment of the death of Roland, where it's like saying, hey, you understand that we're kind of a wacky kind of crazy game but we can be serious too and we need to like it's so like i like the thing where it's like where it's like stuff like when she's like we're gonna wait for Lone because he has to play and they're like tina tina and she's like, she's like no no we're going on a quest and like it's stuff like that like dealing with a kid dealing with death or mm-hmm. this dlc is also hilarious like that's when this torch like i want to be in the game and torch the gatekeeper <laughs> and then you have to punch people to make them explode and then in response, Tina put him in the jail. One of the missions, we're gonna blow up the ocean. <laughs> oh, I mean, just a phenomenal DLC. Well, like this, I mean, that was, that's. And there's like critiques on like game design balance where she made impossible puzzles, and they're like, you can't do that. You can't start with that thing they can't kill. She was like, why? It's just, again, it's so well written. Or, and this, this is my favorite moment, I think, of any DLC. Is when, and we realize that every single dwarf looks like Salvador. And then Lilith <laughs> points it out. And Tina screams out there and goes, Sal, what do you think they all are you? Is it racist? And Sal goes, nah, I like it. <laughs> Honestly, I think my favorite moment in that was when they like started to make fun of like these, like um, oh man, kind of like like ruined scapey tiny uh kind of games <laughs> where there's people like farming the same boss and trying to get the loot, <laughs> and then you have to make them rage quit by doing you know, like teabagging them and like like no scoping them and stuff like that. That one's surprisingly hard too. It's just so funny. I love it when it. I mean, the whole thing was just like. Well, Fantastic. The thing is, this is the first time where they actually introduced, like, really brand new enemies that you hadn't seen before. Because, like, the other ones are new enemies, but you could kind of tell where they came from. With this, and, like, stuff, you're like, the hell is this? I like, the sorcerers, and the mages, the and the knights, and the all like, the skeleton dudes, and... God. I, I don't remember how long it took me to figure out that on those immortal skeletons, you have to pull the sword out of them. Which is, again, one of those things you're like... And once you understand it, it makes sense, but until, oh, like, I hate when, like, you down one, but since when you go down, you can't use them as a kill. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, that's so infuriating. But, no, the writing on this thing is goddamn pristine. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it really is and amazing. it's literally, like, 20 hours it's, of content, if not more. It's, it's, it's so well done. Like, I think it's the best, 
I think it's the best DLC that they've created for any of their games. Because even, like, I think I remember, like, it ends with, like, Tina breaking down crying, like, at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she finally, like, is forced to accept it, you know? Yeah. Or, like, that whole thing is Jack's evil thing, and, like, Jack tries to roll it. Like, you can tell it's, like, it's genius the way they, like, did this, like, whole metaphor. Yeah. And it's just... I don't know. There's, I mean, there's so many highlights of that that we could talk about. It's, it's, and you, I mean, we could go on for hours, I think, just talking about like great moments and just stuff in that game that is, that is, or in that DLC that's, that's fantastic. And, uh, it's just, it's great. I, I totally love it. Okay. So the next DLC, which is literally came out like a month and a half ago, strangely, and the Fike the Sanctuary. So this DLC is where I think, and I think we agreed with that at the time, this feels to me like it's not as strong. It's like, it feels like a B-team is giving this DLC, but I think the more I look back at it, the more I go, it's a cool setup for three. And I think this is such an amazing idea they did. Oh, and and it's, I mean, it's, it's really smart on them too, because now they're getting people going back and playing their game, you know, after probably most people stopped. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, no, hey, here's this totally new thing. Um, it's not perfect by any means. I think that you can tell that the game has aged seven years mm-hmm. since uh, since the last time they made something. But I think it's um, still really cool that they're like, yeah, we're going to come back to this thing. Oh, yeah, it's super cool. And I definitely think it's super important. Um, it, made, it makes me excited for Borderlands 3, but it also made me a little worried about it. It may, but it totally feels like you gave it to someone that wasn't the main team. Like, fuck that team. Like, there are even, like, map design moments in there where I'm like, that's interesting. Why is this a dungeon? Yeah. It well, just, there's things in it that just, it doesn't feel like it is as polished. And, and like I said, I, I think that it's just because they were trying to get it out. And they were trying to, plan you know, home. make this something to connect the story. And I so it was a little bit rushed and... I just hope that the that Borderlands 3 doesn't come out feeling the same way that that DLC did. How did you feel about finding out Scooter's death in this DLC? That one took me completely off guard. Um, when Mox and Jerk it was at that. <laughs> it was at that moment that I realized I probably should have played Tales from the Borderlands. But like, so that's oh. interesting. I like the part where they like put Mordecai in the thing. I was like, did they kill fucking Mordecai in the middle of this DLC? Yeah, seriously. Um, that was, I mean, like I said, it was cool because it, it created some conflict. It created a whole new kind of thing and, and really paved the way for Borderlands 3. I'm interested to see where they're going to go with it. I like the whole um, thing at the end where you can tell everyone's leaving the world besides Lilith, which you know is going to be a very interesting story beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's true. And uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I wasn't... This wasn't my favorite DLC by any means. The boss I think there's a lot that could have been improved on it, but uh, it was it was it was okay. And I think it I think it'll. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens when Borderlands Three comes out. But <sighs> okay, so now we have the rest of the DLCs here are Headhunter X. So I think I think there's one amazing Headhunter there. <laughs> I think there's like one or two okay Headhunters, and I think the rest suck. So I'm gonna start with. Um. Yeah, I w- I would kind of agree for some of them. So I think the best one is I'm gonna stick with is the horrible hunger of the ravages water gabbler because it stars Tori. Yes. And it's not only and star Tori, it stars Tork's yeah, grandma. and and Tork's grandma. <laughs> Which that's the longest quest in the game. Is Tork's grandma? Because it's literally he goes. She's going to tell you a story. And the part that you go, oh, I'm looking forward to being on go get a cup of coffee, right? Then she asks you quizzes that will make you pass or fail based upon the quiz. <laughs> Which, don't you agree that was insane when you saw that? Yes. Yeah, I can agree with that. It was it was a really, really fun one. Um, the other one that I liked that I thought was okay, wasn't great by any means, is I really liked TK Baja's thing. That but I think that was just because TK Baja at. was in it. TK Baja, because it was Return to TK Baja, and I also, I kind of like how Barkus saves the mercenary day. <laughs> I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting that one to go 
uh, in the direction that it did, but I thought it was it was quite entertaining. And then the two bad ones I think we kind of agree are Mad Moxie and the Wedding Day Massacre, and then Sir Hammerlock versus the son of Frommer, which I have in quotes. Who the hell asked for this shit? <laughs> yeah, I would agree, but it was just so weak, and it really bummed me out. Right, you have a note here. The raid on Jesus Chuck Peak? Yes, that was uh, a DLC that you did not have on here. What DLC was this? Um, this was one, like I said, I don't think this was considered a headhunter. This was, um, a DLC that allowed for overleveled stuff, and basically it was, I mean, it was basically just like, um, similar to an Underdome, but with a little bit more, I don't know. I just don't um, remember this. How did I miss this? Dude, honestly, I never, I played it like a little bit because it's really really difficult to do with with like just one person hmm. um however according to what i read on the internet this is like one of the only ways you can get pearlescent weapons um so i mean it has uh has and, and you over level in it and so there's obviously there's uh some use to it Mm -hmm. I, I just has, yeah, no, like I, I said, I I would recommend um, you hopping on it and you giving it a try, and then I think you'll do what I did, and is you'll play that for a half hour, and you'll be like, dude, I can't do this. Okay. Oh. This just blows um, my mind. But yeah, anyway, going back to the, to the Hammerlock one. Just because I don't know if, if you got in what I said or not. And if you did, you can just edit this out. But uh, I think that could have been one of the coolest DLCs. But uh, it it just sucked. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of everybody going on a vacation after they just save the world. And then it's just not ending up being a vacation. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, okay. You, I don't see why this was important. Times and I almost feel like as much as I like him, he doesn't matter. Yeah, I and you, they didn't need to make him matter. I think he's a great character, he's and great. I think he offers this really unique he, kind of perspective that you don't see yeah. in the Borderlands yeah. a lot of characters. But they really just tried to force him to be cool, and in doing so, he wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was one of those things of like you're like on paper I understand why you wanted this guy to be cool. I do not care about him. But, I don't know. Like I said, I think we can agree with most of the headhunters. You know, they weren't great. There was a, some cool moments in them, and there was a couple of fun ones. But, for the most part, I think it was just kind of like, a, hey, here's more content. I, I also think, also, to be fair, and that's the point I'm going to say, too. All of them were, like, two bucks. So, it's not like any of these were, like, actual cost headhunters. Like, not a headhunter pack, but what they costed, I think they were fine. It was just, I yeah. would skip some No, it definitely wasn't, like... Like paying, you know, fifteen dollars for a new DLC, and you then you get, you know, crap. It yeah. was just like, hey, yeah, here's player, here's you know, an extra, I don't know, hour to two hours of campaign with some new loot and a couple of customizable things for a couple bucks, you know. It was simple. I think it worked fine. I liked the whole like the whole why they're called headhunters is whenever you beat the boss, you got a new head. Like it was like a cool gimmick, and it was like you'd rather this than them charging the dollar they would charge for your skin. Like. Right. Yeah, it's like, hey, get a new skin and actually, you know, earn it instead mm -hmm. of just paying money for a skin. Another thing, I think it worked fine. I think, I think on paper, actually, I don't mind this concept with this type of game. It's actually kind of a cool micro, especially when you're like, so what it was is, we made this game interesting. The tail on this game of new DLC coming out, this is a cool way to kind of like do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and like you said, I think this is totally justifiable. I think... Because according to what they're talking about with Borderlands 3 now is that there's going to be even more uh, downloadable content mm -hmm. than there was in Borderlands 2. So I imagine that there's going to be things very similar to this. And I imagine if they come out, I, I think I'd just like them to be a little bit more stronger and a little more engaging. Yeah, I, th I, think, that's a, I think that's a very fair thing. But again, I think these were cool ideas. Uh, as we kind of wrap this down. Yeah, yeah def definitely a cool idea. Just maybe need to be refined a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
So once we got this down, are there any other things you wanna get off your chest about Borderlands 2? Uh, again, so kinda like one of the things I wanna start with that is um, Camera Jack I think is one of the strongest villains I think in video games history. Um, just- percent agree. His personality, which like, stuff like Butt Stallion, which you never mentioned, and like, little shit like that where you're like, this guy is just perfectly written. Hmm, 100%. Um, my favorite moment from Handsome Jack is literally when you get to the Highlands for the first time, and he talks about how a guy ran at him with a spoon. <laughs> and he's, he, like, brutally murders this guy in front of his family. And he's laughing hysterically about it. And, like, you, at that point, you can see, like, dude, you're totally insane. Like, he thinks he's the good guy, and he's defending himself by brutally murdering this, you know, harmless dude. Um, and then at the end, he goes, yeah, but moral of the story is you're a bitch. <laughs> and it's just, like, that totally sums up his just, his absolute psychotic behavior and his his mental state. And the fact that he's also just, like, a sarcastic asshole the entire time you're fighting him. Mm-hmm. It's that, and I like the mission where he hires you to kill yourself by jumping off a cliff. And then you either do it, and he's like, fine, you don't get paid. Or you don't do it, and he's like, fine, you don't get paid. Or you do it, and he's like, hey, you're a sellout. <laughs> or, like, think of the subconscious nature of, it was his respawn tickets you're using the entire time. He cared about money that much. Yeah, and you know that's something I was about to bring up too. Is like you know if he ever really wanted to, to like stop you, he could just you know cancel your subscription to Hyperion New You, which I think is, I think the only way that you can justify it is by saying he's you know just that obsessed with making money. Which which um as we get to closer moments, the other thing I forgot to bring up, which so Mark, it's cheap as hell, right? The one shot <laughs> stronghold where Roland's captured. I love how you can find tape recordings of Marcus going, Dear Bloodshot, I hear you have a problem with the Raiders. And like, and then you can find alternate recorders where he went, Dear Resistance, I hear you have a problem with Bloodshot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's... Ah, he, dude's a capitalist, man. He's just there making money. And I think that... I appreciate his character because that was, of that. That was in um, the Commander Lewis DLC where he went, I'm never selling him guns ever again. Uh, <laughs> yep, after, um, uh, yeah, you, I, we, you, we were on the same page. I can't think of what his name is, though. But, but yeah, after, after you're the right. Did something, he's like, I'm never selling that tech ever again. Like, like he basically said he harmed him. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's just... <laughs> Hey man, he's just a capitalist. He's out there making bank, and he's without a doubt the most the, the richest man in the universe. But he's just he's just living, you know. Or that was I think this is the final good way to end our final mission that makes memorable is when you have to find Marcus's spank bank, and it's all Moxie. Yep. <laughs> and then it's like, hey, well, I mean, I can give this to Marcus, or I can give it to Moxie, and. uh... I'm not going to judge you based on what you chose for that option, but I just think that there should be a third option to maybe keep it all for yourself. <laughs> okay. So now, this is how this is how we end our Borderlands show here. First one, we're calling it Ranking of the Games. Dan, does Borderlands 1 go... Does Borderlands 2 go above or below Borderlands 1? I think we don't even really need to answer this question based on the way we've talked about this game. Uh, but it is definitely better than Borderlands 1. Okay. I completely agree. The way I would describe this game to anybody who played Borderlands 1 and is unsure about getting Borderlands 2 is they took everything great about Borderlands 1 and everything wrong with Borderlands 1 and made it better and fixed it completely. I agree. The only thing I'm going to stick with, and I think I always have this chance, is Borderlands, we're talking solely DLC is, I think Borderlands 2 has the prize for the best and the worst DLC in the series. Well, Borderlands 1 You know what, I think I I would agree with that statement. Because Borderlands 1 low point is obviously Moxie. But beyond that, the other two DLC are somewhere between the good and great category. Borderlands 2 has the amazing to just as bad category. I would definitely say, if you ask me what my top five DLC in the whole Borderlands series are, um, 
sorry, let me rephrase that. If you were to ask me what my top three DLC are in the whole Borderlands series, two of those top three would be from Borderlands 1. Right, and that's what I think is interesting about this. I think Borderlands 2 is a stronger thing, and then even stuff like Borderlands 2, they figure out how to do fast travel and DLC. Like, like there's no <laughs> stuff they do to improve it. <laughs> but at the same time, like, Borderlands 1 still has its moments, and I think it's still, like, DLC especially is a great game. Yeah, I would definitely agree with saying that um, just because I would rate Borderlands 2 higher than 1, it does not mean that Borderlands 1 is a bad game. It just means that Borderlands 2 is a great game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now it's time for Death as the Playable. I think I'm, I, I, I'm almost willing to bet that we're on the same page. I'm going to write down a word, and I want you to tell the audience if this, you agree with me or not. Okay? All right. Ah, you know what? I would. So, yeah. so I wrote down Krieg, um, or Craig, or Krieg, whatever the hell. Krieg. Yeah, Krieg. I really like him, and I I really like, I like his character. I think he's a great character, but I don't think so who are you he is. What was that? Who are you debating with him? In your head, if it wasn't Krieg, who would it be? Um... It's just a tough question. I think for me, it would be... I think it would probably end up being Salvador. Uh, see, and to me... And I think this is... I think Salvador is a better Krieg. Yeah, which which is why I think by getting rid of... If, if, if you take Krieg off the table, then it, it goes to Salvador. But if Krieg... Because I think Maya... Maya has her uses. Maya's a late game Obviously, Gage and Roland are, like you said, the game on easy. And zero is is super unique and and is just is fun to use. Yeah, I think part of the um, zero. But yeah, Salvador is just kind of a he's just kind of whatever, you know. But I think Krieg does Salvador because Salvador like has his saving moments because you gave they gave him basically Drift's powers plus some. I think saves him from not falling in that same camp. Right. Yeah, and Krieg is just. He he's just not enough on his own, like, and I think that's what put him. Throw is not enough to save him. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, he's a great character, um, and I think it's just because he's got a personality that, you know, you don't really you wouldn't expect to see, you know, because he's is a he's a psycho, but uh, yeah, he's just he's just not great to play with. But yeah, that will do it then. Believe it or not. The next episode is Borderlands the pre-sequel, even though the two games came out a month apart. Tales of Borderlands did come out in November of 2014, where pre-sequel came out in October of 2014. Alright, well then that's one we're going to have to knock out next. That's the one I'm going to have to start playing. Yep, the pre-sequel is next. Pre-sequel is interesting because it's going to be the first of the next two games that are not made by Gearbox. It is in fact made by 2K Australia. Uh, yeah. So, Dan, any final, final word on Borderlands 2? Um, Borderlands 2 is, is definitely in my top five games of all time. Uh, I loved it. I think it's an amazing game. And I think that is what the Borderlands series should try to build on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're going to take any of their old games and build on them. I, I agree. Borderlands 2 is a... I think Borderlands 2 is a fascinating game on the way in a matter of a couple years a studio can evolve and learn from their mistakes and realizing what's great in a series. And it, it is really the game that took the series from a great game to a series, which I think there's more to it than making a sequel. It's making a sequel that you remember and it improves it. Borderlands 2 also takes the cake for, you know how like when you go back to an old game, you in your head have an image of what it is and then it's not that? Borderlands 2 is the image you had in your head of Borderlands 1, which is what makes it a great sequel. Yep, and I, I would I would agree 100% with everything you just said. Yeah, that will do it here on the Borderlands Show for us. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at Mikey underscore Maroney. Follow Dan at a god on the one on Twitter. You can find the show at SWW Show. Remember, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us nice reviews. We'll catch you guys in a couple weeks for episode 3 of the Borderlands Show, the pre-sequel. Say goodbye, all. Goodbye. This podcast was a product of the SWW Show. 
You can find more at the SWWshow.com or Facebook.com slash the SWW store or Twitter.com slash SWW. You can find out more about Mike at Mikey underscore Maroney on Twitter and more about AJ at Locevor on Twitter. Remember, new episodes come out twice a month, one focusing on the new entertainment news and one focusing on movie club, so a new and an old movie. You can find out more again at the SWWshow.com. You can find the show on podcast services around the globe.